Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, again coming to you with a message out of the book of Revelation, uh, in which I have been going through verse by verse for quite a little while now. And so the, I want to get right to the context of what we're going to be teaching on today. The title of the message is, The Lord God is Strong. And you're going to see it's dealing with the, the 18th chapter of the book of Revelation, which is a time just before the return of Christ. So I want to read to you a few verses found in Revelation 18, beginning in verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins, and that you may not receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she has paid, and give back to her double according to her deeds. In the cup which she has mixed, mix twice as much for her. To the degree that she has glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree, give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine. She will be burned up with fire, and the Lord God who judges her is strong. You can begin to see real quick, even if you have not heard any of the previous messages, that this is a difficult passage. And so I've been taking uh, quite a bit of time trying to get through this and explain as much as I can to you. So today I'll begin looking at this section that's found in verses 6 through 8. Last time we began looking at the system that will be involved during this time of what we're reading in Revelation 18, which is a, a time just before the return of Christ. In fact, by the time you get to the end of 18, uh, chapter 18 in Revelation, you are just probably days or weeks ahead of the, uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ. But demons are going to be uh, heavily involved in this evil system at the, in the last days. The days were basically from uh, the midway through tribulation to the very end. That last three and a half years, demons set up the final Babylon system. Uh, and they're going to use a lot of women, as uh, we have seen in the previous uh, passage. Uh, nothing... Uh, there, other than the fact that the, the demons use these women, and we saw that. Uh, they're women because in the association with the women inside the epith, which is wickedness. So the prophet literally sees demons setting up the final commercial world system in the land of Shinar, as it says, a system of materialism. And it's talking about Babylon. It's going to be the old Babylonian uh, structure and system brought all the way into the last day. And that we looked at last time. So I won't go over all of that. But remember now, it's called Babylon, this final world system. It is called Babylon, in the, the great in verse 2, it's system. It is a system centered in a city. And we've suggested that it is reasonable to believe that the city of Babylon is an actual rebuilt city. And it could be the very capital of this final world empire. It doesn't say that exactly, but uh, many believe that it actually is. And so uh, we have been trying to lay the foundation for understanding Babylon as we went through chapter 17 and now we're going through chapter 18. But it is a difficult thing to do. Now, it's predicted back in chapter 14 of Revelation, verse 8. This verse, this is the way it reads in Revelation 14, 8. 
It says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. And then we learn that the whole world is involved in this Babylonian system. The whole world is engaged in the commercial, materialistic, secular enterprise. The whole world is worshiping the Antichrist. All the nations are caught up in the lust of the passion of materialism. And the prophecy of Revelation 14.8 has literally come true here by the time we read this section, especially in Revelation chapter 18. Uh, so we have seen the judgment laid out for us. And this week we're going to look at how that is going to be explained. And it's going to be explained in a most unusual way. It's going to be explained by an angel speaking to John. So it becomes very, very interesting. So as we uh, begin laying out verses 1 through 3 and 1 through 4, actually, uh, we saw a warning. It says, uh, come out of her, my people. Notice that it is a warning to the people to come out. There is no room for repentance here, as we're going to see as we get further into verse 5. But by verse 4, uh, which is last time's message, it says, come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in all that she is. And so it is a warning for God's people to come out. It's not a warning for those coming to come out of her who are perhaps, as some I've heard some preachers say, those who are thinking about salvation come out or those who hope that one day they'll get saved. No, the repentance time is over. This is a separation of God's people from unbelievers. And you know, it re reminds me of a passage, and I want to share this with you. Uh, as I get a passage like this, it, it, I think it's just a indicative of me and the scriptures to, to to bring it out so that you hear it. And here it is right here. It's found in Isaiah 59. And I want you to listen to this. It's Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save. Neither is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear you. That is an amazing thing to think about, because we're talking about people here. We're talking about judgment falling on a people. Now, I know it's represented to us through symbols, and through the picture of a, of a city, and through a capital, and through systems, and through uh, demons and, and the Antichrist, but you're talking about the people themselves living in these places that are going to be experiencing judgment and the calamity in the world. And when you think about that, you have to think and realize or think that there's going to be a lot of people who are screaming for help, who are crying out for help. And this passage says that their sins have separated them from their God and that God cannot and will not hear. It says, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. God chooses not to hear you. And we see that picture in Revelation 18.4 when he says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. 
These are those that are already believers that may have gotten ensnared with the, 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 the materialism and that is all going to be going on in this place. And so they've gotten kind of trapped in there, maybe thinking they're getting uh, their lives back to normal. They're picking up the pieces or there's security in the fact that there's a lot of people and there seems to be all of these things. But God says, get out. And boy, the, the time for repentance is over. And so that's one of the verses I think of. people don't realize. You don't just come to God. You don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to come to Christ. Uh, you have to be drawn to Christ. Uh, and also this book reminds me of another passage uh, found in Isaiah 46. Uh, when you look at the whole prophecy, you think, is this all going to really happen? And I'm here to tell you it absolutely for certain will happen. This is prophecies we're seeing in Revelation still haven't come true, even in our day today in which I'm teaching this. But it has been prophecies and prophetic all the way back to the very beginning. Even the oldest book on record, the book of Job, has prophecies for the end in there. And so I want you to hear this verse, Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning. That's what God has done. It, he has declared the end of time, the end of man's time, from the beginning of the scriptures, uh, from the beginning of time. And listen to what it says in, in Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east and the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly, I have spoken. Truly, I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely, I will do it. So, there is no reason for anyone to think that this, just because it's been delayed, or what they think is delayed, that it's not going to happen. God says it's going to happen. It is going to happen. It has been written, and it will happen. So, as we, as we look at that, I just had this, to bring those verses out because they are so true as I look through this and I see this, that God has given a final warning. I think that was even the message last time uh, for his people to come out of her, the city, uh, and then I want to begin looking now in verse 5. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now again, that reminds me of this. In Jeremiah 31, 34, uh, God says, I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sins no more. That is my sin. That is the believer's sins. He does not remember. But here... In verse 5 of Revelation 18, he says, I will remember her iniquities. There in Jeremiah 31, 34, but for unchanging, unrepentant Babylon, no forgiveness, only judgment. So get out. That's what he's saying, get out. So with that uh, from the last time, we begin to look at where is the world going? is headed towards a worldwide economic boom centered in the rebuilt Babylon. And uh, but I tell you, I've been uh, putting together uh, another message for next week. Uh, look, I'm going to lay out as much as I can about Babylon because we don't hear that. There's so much going on in the world, you don't even hear about how it's being rebuilt and growing. Uh, so I'm going to look at that next time. That's uh, next week. 
For while there will be a religious system, a false religious system worldwide, it will be destroyed by the Antichrist at the midway point of the tribulation period, who will then at that point demand that the world worship him as God. That'll happen at the midway. Halfway through, in other words, three and a half years into the tribulation, with three and a half more years to go, and then his one world government will dominate everything. It will be built on one issue, lust for luxury. Lust for luxury. I don't know why I didn't title the message that. Lust for luxury. It will be a capitalism gone berserk, as one writer puts it, and God will destroy it, and he'll start by destroying the capital city. So, first thing I want you to notice is this message in verse 4. And all of, all of verses 4 through 8 is the message. And this message is an angel. Look at what it says in verse 4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins. And this is the angel that has been speaking. It's found in verse 1. He says, I saw another angel coming down from heaven speaking. And so this is the angel. And that the words of this angel... Uh, as he is explaining what's happening here, we see uh, this verses 6 through 8, pay her back even as she has paid. Uh, this is a, a, a re retaliation. Uh, the, the, the saints have so prayed for, for thousands of years that God would destroy the wicked and the world system. The saints under the altar, you remember in Revelation chapter 6, were praying the same thing. No doubt through the whole tribulation, the great tribulation, the saints have been crying out for judgment. In other words, God, where are you? Do bring judgment to these who are, who are, are bringing judgment to us. In fact, it even says in Revelation chapter 20 that, that the believers there in that time will be beheaded. Uh, look at what it says in, in Revelation 20, verse 4. As I saw thrones, they that sat upon them, judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus, because of the word of God. This is what he's seeing in Revelation 20. Of course, we're not there yet. But of those who have come out of the tribulation period, having to die and lose their heads. So the, the saints through the ages have been crying this out. And now the angel joins the call, and here's the echo of the Old Testament. It's, uh, it, it's basically just the, the same thing that we saw in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, or the law of retaliation. This is what we're looking at here when it says pay her back. It's time for vengeance. It's time for destruction. Enough period of grace has gone by. Enough preaching has been done. The whole world has heard enough gospel at this time. In quote, Psalm uh, 28, 4, Require them according to thy work, according to the evil of their practices. Require them according to the deeds of their hands. Repay them for their recompense. And we see this all through the, the, the language of the Psalms. Blesses the God who smashes your children. Listen to that. Pay her back what she deserves. She has desecrated truth, dishonored God, rejected Christ. Give her what she should get. That's out of the book of Psalms. That's in Psalm 137. Listen to what Jeremiah says in 50, 15. Raise your battle cry against her on every side. She has uh, given herself up. Her pillars have fallen. Her walls have been torn down. This is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance on her as she has done to others. So do to her. Wow. And so you begin to read this and you think, wow, this is, there's no escape for these people. And of course, this prophecy, as we looked at last time, has a twofold 
fulfillment. It has fulfillment in the old, in the the previous uh, Babylon. Uh, in fact, if you want to see who the Babylon is, you read the opening chapter of, Re of the book of Daniel, and you see the Babylonian captivity. Uh, but that same uh, tendencies or those same system that was developed in there has been brought over to the New Testament uh, into the end days, and that is what we're seeing here. We're going to see another fulfillment of the destruction of Babylon later during the end of the tribulation period. But it's in Jeremiah 50, verse 15, verse 29. Uh, summon many against Babylon. Chapter 51, verse 24. I will repay Babylon and all the inheritance of her land. Their evil they have done. Uh, it's just, it goes on and on. But the angel is merely echoing here in Revelation 18 the sentiment of the psalmist and the sentiment of the prophets. The psalmists often pray for the destruction of the enemies of God, the enemies of righteousness, and so did the prophets speak of it. And so when we look at this, we're seeing the, the, uh, the uh, reverb of just prophets ringing through our ears and the readings of the Old Testament. Though as Christians, we ought to be kind to our enemies. We're told that. We know that. We need to love them, never to repay evil for evil. We're never to take vengeance against them. We are to pray for them, and, and uh, we are to do good to them. But that does not eliminate God's final vindication of himself and of his own in judgment. It doesn't change that. Romans 12 affirms the Old Testament truth that God is a God of vengeance uh, who will indeed repay sinners for their sin, but not us. You see, our sins have been dealt with on the cross, but these are those that are going to be in danger of the judgment of God enduring these days where he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Leave room for the wrath of God, Romans 12, 19. And in fact, listen to this, back in, Reve in, in Revelation 18, verse 6, right here, right in front of us. Pay her back, this is in verse 6 of Revelation 18. Pay her back, even as she has paid, and give back to her double according to her deeds. Literally in the Greek, it says, double the double things. That's the way the Greek actually translate that. And that's important. Uh, I'll begin to look at this and try to figure out what is he actually saying here. Double has been her iniquity. Her iniquity is like a tower that reaches all the way to heaven, and it is excessive. It is overflowing iniquity. So you, God, double the double things. <coughs> and what he's saying here is it's too late for repentance. There has been ample opportunity for that plenty of time when the people could have repented. The judgment of Babylon has reached to the skies and, and we're tired of apply, uh, we're tired to uh, appeal to that. Uh, we read that in Jeremiah, but, but she wouldn't be healed. This then is the judicial pronouncement against a sinful civilization. Now, let, let's look at just the word double. It says, pay her back, even if she has paid, give back to her double according to her deeds. Well, what does that mean? What does double according to her means? Well, it can in some sense mean twofold. Uh, but when it comes from the Old Testament, double means, uh, it really is another way of saying full. In other words, double is, a, is in the sense full. The sin that has been doubled in the sense that is overflowing, uh, give back an overflowing punishment. In other words, the same. It's, it's not necessarily two of, 
but it can be viewed as that. Uh, listen to what Exodus, for example, in chapter 22, and I'll show you this in the Old Testament. If a man gives his neighbor or goods to keep for him and he has stolen the man's house, uh, if the thief is caught, he shall pay double, verse 7. But back in verse 4, it says, if he steals an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. Down in verse 9, every breach of trust, whether an ox or a donkey or a sheep or clothing for anything lost about which one says, this is it. The, the case of both parties shall come before the judges. He whom judges condemn shall pay double. That's a double. God ordained a double penalty way to pay in the Mosaic law. In Isaiah, we find this kind of double judgment reiterated. In Isaiah 40, verse 1 and 2, comfort her. My people, says the Lord God, speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her and her warfare is ended. Her iniquity has been removed that she has received the Lord's hand. Double for all her sins. Isaiah is saying God even punished Isaiah, I mean Israel, double. The day is coming when the double punishment is over and the comfort of belief and faith in the kingdom will take the place of punishment. So double means, even in Isaiah's day, double means full. It means complete. It means the sin is deserved. It means, according to Isaiah 61, what does it, excuse me, what does it mean? It, the positive side is double means complete, full, overflowing on the joy side. Double is just a way to describe something that is complete, overflowing, abundant, or abounding. And that's how God gives graciously and that's how he gives in vengeance he's going to give double or complete or full double is a word that we use in english and we say double in the same sentence with complete and full it doesn't seem to be uh it doesn't seem to, to ring true uh, or an understanding that is but in jeremiah 16 18 and in jeremiah 17 18 uh it talks about the overflowing double blessing Zechariah 9, 12, the day is coming when I will restore double to you. It just means that the consummate thing that God will do and the punishment fits the crime. The crime was severe. The iniquity was piled high, even till it reaches heaven, and this judgment has to fit that. So it is going to be a strong judgment because listen to what it says in verse, uh, verse 5. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now, what the Tower of Babel could not do as far as reaching into the heavens, her sin has done by reaching into the heavens. And so if the God is going to pay back double, think about that. The severity and the overflowing of the sins have reached that high, so the punishment must fit the crime, which would mean God deals in double measure what did the psalmist say? My cup runneth over. What did Jesus say? Given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's how God gives good gifts, and that's how he gives judgment. Take the cup, the cup of wickedness, and mix, make it a cup of wrath. Take the cup which she has mixed with wickedness, mix wrath in it. Give her back wrath in her own cup. That's the reference that he's got next. And so, in other words, the punishment fits the crime, then, boy, her, her crime is severe. And that's why you read such severity here in, in the language of this angel speaking to John. 
It's absolutely uh, an incredible kind of thing. Listen to what he says beginning in verse 7. To the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree give her torment, mourning. So to the degree that she glorified herself, that's the, there, there's three aspects or three different sins here that he's laying out for her, that she's glorified herself. And again, the angel calls God a third time, saying the same thing a third way. To the degree she glorified herself, live for her own pride and her own willful, headstrong purpose. It's just pride. Give her back for her pride. God hates pride. He won't tolerate it. He sends people to hell because uh, they do not glorify him, but worship themselves. He caused Herod, remember, to be eaten by worms one day because he did not give God the glory. And according to Jeremiah 13, his eye may weep with tears and he will destroy the proud. James says he gives them no grace. To the degree that they have been proud, to that degree give them torment and mourning. Wow, make their punishment equal to their crime. Boy, that, that's a message for our world today, especially in America. The punishment's not fitting the crime. But boy, and that's what the saints have been crying out for ages, and this is when it's going to be answered. The second thing he's bringing out, uh, this angel is bringing out, one is that she glorifies herself, thus refuses to glorify God. Of course, we can read that again in, in, in Romans chapter 1, refusing to glorify God. Now, the second thing is lived sensuously and luxuriously, uh, for self-glory and self-gratification, give them what they deserve to that same degree of their sin, self-glory and self-gratification. Give them torment. You know what that means? What this is actually saying is, at the end of verse 7, give her torment. Uh, it means torture them, God. Torture them. This is what the angel is proclaiming. It's hard to imagine an angel asking God to torture people. But it's true. This is exactly what we're seeing. Giving them torment. But the word is even beyond that. It means torture and the grief that the torture produces. It is the pain in the torture that is bound up in this word. Give them the pain of the torture. Make them weep and lament and mourn. Then there's a third sin that he explains here because of all the judgment that's coming in verses 2 and 3. The angel's calling for even a third one. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow and will never see mourning. This is self-sufficiency and overestimation of one's power. It's really recognizing one's self as sovereign over all, even God. By the way, the boast is taken directly out of Isaiah chapter 47 when Isaiah looked down in the prophetic vision to the future and he saw the same boast. Listen to what Isaiah 47 5 says. Sit silently and go into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans. And Chaldeans is another word for Babylonians. For you will no more be called the queen of kingdoms. Verse 7. Then you said, I shall be a queen forever. That's what Babylon says here in verse chapter 18. But that's not reality. Babylon said, I am a queen. Wow. I tell you, the arrogance, the invincibility, and the mind thinking, they're reminded of, of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Let him who thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Babylon better watch out. It's coming. Verse 8, for this reason, 
just stated. Look, look at what verse 8 says. For this reason, in one day, what reason? For the reasons, the three reasons just given in verse 7. Self glorified herself, uh, lived sensuously to, uh, and, uh, uh, see, glorified herself, lived sensuously, same degree, give her torment and mourning. She says in her heart, I sit as a queen. Those three things. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come. For this reason, just stated, self-glorification. Uh, this is the way one writer writes. He sums it up. Self-glorification, self-gratification, and self-exaltation. In one day, and by the way, the word one is the Greek order, emphasizing it. It will not be progressive. It will be instant. You say, wow, all of that is going to come to the end there. And you can, you can see that uh, the first Babylon fell in one day. Daniel chapter 5 records Babylon as a city fell in one day. <coughs> Excuse me. Seems like I always want to cough or sneeze as I get to recording. Excuse me for that. Daniel chapter 5 records Babylon the city falling in one day when the handwriting on the wall uh, was seen that the Medes and the Persians were coming into the city already. And by morning, the Babylonian Empire had fallen, fell in one day, sudden destruction. That's how it's going to end. But I like it what it says here. It says, for this reason, in one day her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire for the Lord God who judges the strong. Now, I've read and read and read so much where people are debating whether all of this is going to be instant or whether it's going to be a process or progressive because it says in one day her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, that all that that's that's a process that will take time for all that to develop. I don't think so. I think if it says it, it's going to be one day. I think it's going to be one day. I think it's going to be so sudden and, and instant. Yeah, there'll be plagues. There'll be the result of it will last for days, but it's going to happen in one day. And I think the uh, whether well, day and the hour may. Uh, and one writer says maybe stretched a little bit, but it's 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 an hour of judgment. It may actually be more than one sixty minute period, uh, or one twenty four hour period, but it's going to be a brief period. Well, but I think it's going to be exactly like he says. For this reason, in one day, I think that's one twenty four hour period. Uh, I find that the word day is a twenty four hour period translated here. He could have used another word. She will be burned up with fire. For the Lord God is strong who judges her. Now here's what this is, this is actually saying to me. I think it's saying. For the Lord God who judges is strong. The system of the Antichrist, the people have been seeing, and we've been seeing it is strong. It is a really must be strong because of all the destruction in the world that we've even mentioned, and the world is still operating. There's still a system that can even work. With the amount of people that have died, the amount of starvation, the amount of air pollution, the amount of judgment, the amount of storms, uh, the amount of trees that have been burned up, the waters that have been destroyed. How is the world, is anything going to be working? Well, Satan has managed to find a way. Uh, no matter how powerful, with all the forces of men and demons of the earth and hell, there are no match for God. Doom is certain. And I think this is what this is saying. Uh that God is so much stronger and wiser and sovereign over Satan. He doesn't stand a chance in making this last end. The only way he's even making 
any survival here at all is because God simply allows it. It's the allowance of God doing this. God permitted him to do that so that their execution of his judgment can happen. Uh, it is it is such an amazing, amazing passage, folks. Uh, next week, as I said, uh, I am going to begin looking at the, the, the Babylon uh, rebuilt. Uh, is it really going to be that? Well, I, you know, I don't know. I cannot say for certain. I, I think Rome is going to be involved in this. Will it literally be the rebuilt Babylon? We're going to look at this and see uh, what we can find out about that. Uh, so please join me and stay with me. I'll be back next time as we look at verses 9 through the end of the, uh, actually through verse 18, as they lament or mourn over the destruction of their own city. God calls it a city, and the scriptures call it a city. I think it definitely is a city involved here, and so we'll take a look at that. But remember, it's more than a city. It's a, it's a system. And so next, thank you for joining me. Again, this has been William Rogers bringing the message for today. Uh, entitled, The Lord God is Strong. See you next time.